So good evening, everybody. Uh, so last year, actually a year ago today, a priest friend of mine who has a decent Twitter following posted this little tweet on his page. He said, as one should, I am remembering the accomplishments of all the hashtag saints on hashtag all saints day. Nice sort of pious reflection on all saints day. However, I guess they looked at the hashtag, the official New Orleans saints page, Twitter feed, responded saying, four years ago today, Drew Brees, 39 of 50, 505 yards, an NFL record tying seven touchdown passes. Obviously, the Saints referring to the great accomplishment of all the Saints. But as funny as it is, he picked up a lot of followers after that. It shows, though, that the Saints were a little confused. The New Orleans Saints that Father was not talking about professional football, he was talking about the saints in heaven. But still, I think it points to a deeper truth and something that I'd like to briefly reflect on today, is that just as they were a little confused about what he meant when he used the word or the hashtag saints, so often today Catholics can have that same confusion about what it means to be a saint or, in more general, what is true holiness? When we talk about wanting to be a saint, wanting to pursue holiness, what exactly do we mean? And from my experience, I've found that for the most part, Catholics, young and old, think that holiness basically means one of two things. First of all, is being perfect. It would be like the saints that you read about in the books that never made mistakes and they had all these unbelievable heroic events and they resisted the devil and they had the stigmata and they did all these kinds of things. That's the first concept, which is wrong. And then second is that ultimately holiness or sanctity is boring. They never have any fun. A person who is truly triumphant for sanctity is going to live in a dungeon, they're never going to smile. They're going to pray on their knees all day long. They're not joyful. And so as a result of these two primary misconceptions, and I can't tell you how many times I have heard them in different ways, shapes, and form, as a result, most people don't want to strive after holiness. They don't want to have to go and try to be perfect and fall all the time. It's unrealistic. It's, it's, it's in a certain sense, it's even inhuman. Nor do they want to pursue holiness if they think it is something boring. And so what happens is, the spiritual life of a majority of Catholics is not a positive striving for holiness, but rather a negative avoiding sin, or at least to a certain degree, avoiding sin. And so it's sort of like saying, I'm going to avoid eating unhealthy food, but I really don't care to be healthy. If you're really going to be successful, you can't have that negative attitude. You've got to have the positive attitude. I want to be healthy. I want to be whole and entire. And as a result, I don't want to eat that which is not going to be good for me. 
And so it's this misunderstanding, sometimes I think a willed misunderstanding of what holiness is, that stops people from really being passionate about being a saint, about wanting to pursue holiness. So how can we rectify the situation? How can we set things straight? And so I think we've got to ask ourselves, what is the foundation of holiness? What is holiness really about if it's not about being boring and it's not about being perfect? Well, of course, the foundation of holiness is going to be God's grace, his life, and all these things. But I'm going to propose, and I'm drawing from some pretty strong tradition, that the real foundation for holiness is true, authentic self-knowledge. Not navel-gazing, not narcissism, but indeed true self-knowledge. To know what we're good at, to know our strengths, but more importantly, to know our weaknesses, to know our sins, to know our imperfections, to know the ways that we gravitate towards that which is not good. Ultimately, true self-knowledge means knowing all these different ways that are unique for different individuals that we are not God. That we're not perfect, as much as we strive for it, that we are not God. But not just knowing it, taking ownership of these things, taking ownership of our imperfections, of our weaknesses, of our sins, and not trying to hide behind a mask, a mask that we often put towards ourselves and we definitely put towards others. Oh, I don't sin, I'm perfect, I'm good, I'm wonderful, I'm a nice guy. And hiding all of these things that we're ashamed of. Hiding all these things that we wish we didn't have instead of taking ownership. I'm not saying that we don't strive to overcome them, but don't pretend that they don't exist. A true saint is aware of their faults and imperfections and takes ownership of them. And as a result of these things, they realize that they do not necessarily, in and of themselves, separate them from God. Because you are not perfect, because you are weak, because you are sinful, because you make mistakes and even sometimes you sin, does not necessarily separate you from God. Because once you take those things and you see them in the light of the Lord's love, that he loves you for who you are, not in spite of the sins that you've done, that he loves you and he doesn't expect you to be perfect in the way that you probably expect to be perfect, and you learn to bring them to confession, you learn to ask for forgiveness, and you see them in the light of his love and mercy, then guess what? You can be authentic. You can be truly who you are. This is the key to the spiritual life, as I talked about before, the key to understanding the teaching of St. Therese. We're not hiding behind a mask. We're not hiding behind a persona. We are admitting our faults. We're taking ownership, but we're seeing them in the light of the Lord's mercy and love. That's the key to holiness. The true saint is the one who's going to admit I'm not holy. I'm imperfect. And it's not going to try to hide it from other people, but instead seek the Lord's mercy, not hiding behind a mask, as we all tend to like to do. So, if this is the case, 
And this authentic self-knowledge is that key and that foundation for true holiness. How can we get to it? Well, I think certainly counseling and therapy can help, particularly certain individuals. It could really help. But the real way for doing it, the real way for doing it for Christians and Catholics is through prayer. You've heard me say it before, not just saying prayers, not just a couple of Hail Marys before you go to bed at night, but really spending time with God, committed every single day for 15 minutes or more. Even when you feel sinful, even when you feel distracted, even when you feel unworthy, and even when you're there and you feel literally nothing. When it's black and it's dark, but that you are going to be there because you realize the value of your prayer is not determined on anything that you do. It's not about the method. It's about being there present to receive the Lord and believing that he's there and that he's happy to see you and that he is going to fill you with his light and his grace. He is going to heal you. He's going to transform you. He is going to highlight those imperfections. The person who spends time in prayer, it's like a, a well and all that you're trying to drill the well and the dirt and the muck comes up before you get to the clear water. And most of us don't want to face it. We don't want to face those authentic things that point to who we really are. And so we shut it off. We say prayers, but we don't really pray. We give lip service to God instead of really allowing him to get in there and transform us, to purify us. And so as a result, even more, because we don't want to face those things, that maybe we really don't want that authentic self-knowledge that comes from prayer because we're going to have to admit certain things about ourselves that we don't like, and we're worried that if other people see it, they're going to cast us aside, sometimes even worried that God is going to cast us aside. But as I said, that's not what happens. Those things are brought to the surface so that we can face them, yes, but so that the Lord can transform them. So if this is what prayer is, at least the beginning stages of prayer, of having to drop the persona so that we can see ourselves as we truly are, what is the incentive? Why should we persevere? Why should we bother? And I think the reason is this, and it comes from 20 years of being a priest, 10 years of being here, and seeing people, particularly young people, who really pray, who spend time every single day in prayer, even if they don't feel like it, even when darkness comes, when they have to face their demons and the things about themselves that they don't like, that they don't give up. And what happens is, gradually, in ways they may not have understood, in ways that even surprise me sometimes, the Lord begins to work like, like water over a rock, begins eroding the rock until that person begins to live and accept their authentic self and they experience deep and lasting peace. A peace that I've seen last for weeks, months, even years, no matter what kind of turmoil is on the outside or turmoil on the inside, they experience and they taste that peace that comes from encountering the Lord. They're going to have rough times. They're going to be times of stress. But overall, they have a deep peace, security, 
and trust, and it's because they have prayer lives. And I say that is the incentive to go through this journey, to take up the cross and to move forward in this prayer life and allowing ourselves to encounter the Lord. Why? Because I know so many people today, particularly in the craziness of the past year, have no peace and live with so much anxiety, so much stress, so much worry about the past, about the present, and the future. Some are on medicine, that's great. Some need to get on medicine, that's great. But the fact is the amount of anxiety and stress and worry that I particularly see in the younger generation did not exist in my generation, and I don't actually believe existed in the previous generation. It's not because we prayed better, it's partially because there are much bigger problems that we tend to face today, but the fact of the matter is, the solution is still the same. People that I've seen lived in so much worry, so much self-hatred, so much stress and anxiety, when they committed to prayer, things began to change, particularly if they continued to press through when they were forced to face things about themselves that they did not like. And they did, and they began to experience that deeper, lasting peace that comes from transformation and self-knowledge and self-acceptance in prayer. And so that is my invitation and incentive to you here on this All Saints Day. We're all called to be saints. But if you find that your life is stricken by anxiety, a lack of peace, and worry, seek counseling and medicine if you need to. But realize that if you stick it out, the weeks and months that it might take, just like it would be if you were exercising and wanted to be healthier and stronger, the Lord will not abandon you. A daily regimen of prayer, self-acceptance, leads to a true and lasting peace. Only those who do know what prayer is like and have encountered Christ there can explain and understand what it truly is. Amen.